Howdy, 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 folks. Welcome back to Hoot and a Half. I'm Matt King. And I'm Mike Sheffer. And our guest today is... You. No, it's you, it's Mike. It's you. It's no, you, it's Matt. you. It's us. Mike and I decided today would just be a really fun day and a great opportunity for you to get to listen to just us banter and interview one another. And I'm recording this right now after we've already had our discussion. And I just want to say, Mike, this has been one of my actually favorite episodes that I have done so far with this podcast. Because you guys hear a lot of us on the podcast interviewing other people and them telling their own stories. But on this one, you get to kind of know the brains behind Hoot and a Half. Behind Hoot and a Half. And I've just I've really enjoyed talking to you and it was it was really uh an easy conversation to have too. I mean, we talk literally every day all the time and this I think is a kind of a it's a new approach. It's we don't have a guest, although I think we we are the way I consider it is we are guests on our own podcast, but yeah. this is just kind of like a snippet of what a conversation between Matt and I would be in the car, at my house, at Matt's house, wherever it is mm-hmm. and we do hope that you guys enjoy hearing a little bit about our backstory, how we got to know each other, school, all that stuff. Oh yeah, just get to know who we are and who we were and i i liked it so much that i wanted to honestly keep recording that's i mean if people like this i think we could do do this more often so that's why i encourage you guys to listen to this episode because we may be doing this a bit more often so without further ado without further without further ado (laughs) without further ado enjoy this episode of hoot Hoot and and a half with matt king and mike sheffer I think they know who the guest is. It's you, Mike Sheffer. I think you're the guest. I'm the guest? I think so. I'm your you be, guest? You you're be, my guest? You, you are a guest on your own podcast. Oh, be our guest. Be our guest. Be our guest. Beauty and the Beast? Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, I, I watched, saw that on ice in uh, seventh grade. They had an ice skating production of it somewhere in New Jersey. It couldn't have been good, but Beauty I remember... Beauty and the Beast? I bet it was. It might have been good. It might have been in New York. I might have like went to Broadway for it. Was it a Broadway show? Uh, yes, with Christy Carlson Romano, <laughs> this sister from Even Stevens. How do you... Are you serious? You like know that this movie or this play was on Broadway? I know it was on Broadway, and it was with Christy Carlson Romano from Even Stevens. She played Ren on Even Stevens, and when... Because after even Stevens ended, I mean, she was still Kim Possible, but nobody knew what her move was going to be. Was she going to be in the movies? Was she going to stay on Disney? She hit Broadway, and she was in Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. But I don't was know it on that... Ice? Oh, but did you know that I was in Beauty and the Beast when I was in high school on Ice? No, not on Ice. No, <laughs> if I'm, it's not on Ice, don't talk to I'm, me. I'm, I'm very happy that you went and saw a theater production. I don't it, remember it. it. I don't know if it was Broadway. It might have been just like the local New Jersey township on Ice. But I do. Do they do that? Is that? Yeah, there's Disney on Ice. There's so many Disney on Ice shows, that and they're like sense. legit productions. Yes. Okay, so that's probably what I saw. But how do you sing and ice skate at the same time? That's you have to have ridiculous stamina and lots of training. And singing is like a very athletically and like physically exhausting activity they apparently it's the most physically demanding instrument to play is singing but the actors can't be that good because they have to be figure skaters first i know well they could maybe they are the best out of all of them but who devotes their life to figure skating and then on top of it are like oh but i want to do theatrical it's a pretty narrow niche it is but i was in beauty and the beast you know which character i played chip no, my brother played Chip, though. <sighs> close. I got one. I mean, that's pretty close in the family. Uh, I played... Beauty. No, I did. <laughs> I, as as flattering as that would be, 
Um, I did not play Beauty. I played LeFou. You know who LeFou is? No. It's Gaston's little minion. You know who Gaston is? The bad guy? Uh, yeah, the bad guy. The yeah. antagonist. The one who's after Tamari Bell. Even that mug that sits there right by my computer says, good show, LeFou. My good friend Richard Ross gave it to me. I bought a chip cup that already had the chip in it. Why? Because it was like the souvenir from the thing. I thought it was so cool to see that they manufactured it with the defect in it. Because, you know, he has a little chip in his cup. Yes. So, like, they manufactured it with a little... I mean, it's it's clearly, like, made in a mold. But, like, the chip is in the cup and it has, like, a piece missing. And it was like, that's so cool. Made out of glass? Uh, it was, like, plastic. Okay, it was yeah, plastic. No, no, That'd be like really a, interesting if it was glass that no. was already purposefully chipped. Oh, have you ever been in a musical, though? Uh, I was never in a musical, but I have been. I was in a play in college. <laughs> That's right. What's it called? J- Jack G- and Sally. Gina and Sally. <laughs> Gina and Sally. That's I, some deep Mike Sheffer history. That is crazy that you even know, considering I met you after college. And you told me about this. So yeah. So basically, <laughs> what happened was I had a roommate and he really wanted to be in the play he was very artistic read poetry showed me all these obscure bob dylan songs and he was very artsy and like was he was reading thoreau the book that you were reading walden walden Uh, he was reading that in our like sophomore year of college and he was he told me that there was a student run production where the students write direct and star and produce all the plays it's all original stuff it's all student based and he wanted to audition but he was like a little bit nervous to audition so i went with him just to like be a come with guy support him make <laughs> him feel good and when i got there there was like no one auditioning so he was like, well, you should just audition, too, for the fun of it. So I was like, sure, I guess. And they gave me a page. I like memorized the line. It was like one page of dialogue. And I did the audition to play some punk kid. <laughs> and I just was like huffing and puffing and did my thing. And then like it was silent. These four seniors who were just looking at me like, any role you want, we'll give you. And I was like, is there a starring role available? And they were like, yeah, you want it? And I was like, sure. And then I had the role. Wasn't then- there only... Two roles, though? In that specific play. It was like a group of five plays. So he didn't get any of the plays. And I got the star in like the big one, which I felt so (laughs) bad about. It wasn't in the opening uh, scene. You have to do... I, yes, I, I wasn't in the opening scene, but yeah, like I, I added to the character that he was a skateboarder because I love skateboarding. So oh, I brought, bro- <laughs> yeah, I brought that to the character because it's not like it's not like a Tennessee Williams play where there's very serious history it was like these two seniors wrote a play about a schoolyard bully (laughs) and so i just added like hey would it be okay if he had a skateboard and then i because i would skate to class anyway so i just incorporated that into the character and then during one of the scenes i do like a little kickflip in the in the play (laughs) and uh all my friends came out and saw it how many how many nights uh we had uh it was a four night run one (laughs) matinee it was like a Thursday through a Sunday and two on two on Sunday or whatever it was. And did, did you nail the trick every night? Or did, did uh, you yeah, ever? it was the only time I ever got nervous was like right before that scene. I just no one could talk to me. <laughs> I was like Daniel Day. I was like Daniel Day Lewis before a role. Just like nobody can talk to me. I need to sit here and know that I'm going to nail this trick before I do it. And every time I had because I had to say a line while I was doing it because it was like me like turning one of the kids against the other kid and I had to be super cool and badass and I said my line did the kickflip skated off screen and or offset and every night was a smash screw you guys I'm out of here yeah kickflips off stage exactly yeah (laughs) within anger yeah and it was I mean I loved it like I didn't think I would like it but you really you get to like understand a lot about yourself you get to understand about other people like i would never have been friends with any of these kids because i wasn't in the theater program i didn't know them but i ended up making like really good friends seeing how directors think and work and like the writer and um it was cool and you 
similarly were very active in your uh oh multiple musicals multiple plays one act plays our school the school i went to um in carrollton texas which is a suburb yes uh, my high school uh suburb outside of dallas uh we were like top top in the state for our for theater what? department for theater for our theater and speech and debate yes yeah, so that's what i know about mostly is that you were a big speech and debate guy but our theater program was big time so texas is like split up into vis- different divisions based on the side size of your school so there's like 1a 2a 3a 4a 5a 5a is like the biggest school out of like the population of oh okay so school. the divisions like similarly in college there's d1 athletes d2 this is this is divisions based on the size of your school yes okay so i'm pretty sure our school has one state multiple times or at least two times and we've placed in the top three many times what so division I, are you uh 5a while i was there and is then that the now biggest? I, now i think it's 4a is that the biggest or the smallest uh it's the biggest oh oh okay so but, you're competing like against oh, the best yeah it, it, all the schools were competing all the schools in the state were competing for the top prize. What is that? That's a line from School of Rock. Oh, okay. Uh, but we did like Arthur Miller plays, Death of a Salesman, A View from the Bridge. In high school? Oh, yeah. Wow. I, oh, yeah. I still remember like my opening monologue. Like, I'm a lawyer. Now, in this neighborhood, to meet a lawyer or a priest on the street is unlucky. You see, in Sicily, where their fathers came from, the law has not been a friendly idea since the Greeks were beaten. But this is Red Hook. This is the slum that faces the seaward side of the Brooklyn Bridge. Now, a quite civilized, quite American, and my practice is entirely unromantic. Uh, it, what, what, what play is that? Uh, a View from the Bridge. By who? Arthur Miller. Wow. Now, you just recited now, the opening line of an Arthur Miller play? Yes, but it's a one-act play, so you would have to cut down a two-act play into one act. So what I just recited is like an abridged version of the monologue. We did a lot of Arthur Miller plays. What kind of a schooling did you grow up in, Mike? (laughs) Pretty unique school. I didn't go to public school. I went to a private Jewish school from like kindergarten or pre-nursery, whatever it's called, through eighth grade. It was a Jewish school in a small town in New Jersey. There was, I think, 10 or nine kids in my whole grade, and each grade was similarly sized. So you basically like know everyone in the school. Everyone knows each other's families. It's like a very small community. There were public schools in the neighborhood too. And I was friends with the public school kids. But in my school, it was just the same 10 kids throughout the day. And then, uh, which was a Jewish school. So half of it is like Jewish studies. Half of it is your traditional math, science, How English. How many kids a day? Or what was like the size of your class? Like, like So when you do the Jewish classes, it's only the guys. So they split up the boys and girls for... The Hebrew classes. So like for like the Hebrew classes, half of the day, it's only you and like four other dudes. And then for the English classes, it's the whole class, which is like the four other dudes plus the four or five other girls. And that's the whole grade. They want you to be very focused. Yes. During your religious studies, you can't be distracted by. Oh. Yeah. The only time um, for us in school when they separated us by our gender was to teach us about our growing bodies and getting into Right, puberty. yeah, like in health class or in the locker room. Did they ever teach you that? In- no, they don't have any like health, gender, no. sex, any of that stuff. So that's all on your own. Your parents got to teach you that yeah, stuff. Yeah, which is why there's, I mean, I think in like most religious schools, not just Jewish schools, but like most religious schools, a lot of students are uninformed about those things because they don't learn it in religious private schools. How do you think they taught me? Uh, I've seen like the only, the only thing I knew about that was like the 
ways that it's presented in media, like on TV and in the movies, it's the big gym teacher explaining like, all right, guys, here's how it works. And like, uh-huh. it's super awkward. And we, oh. I mean, we had the internet like just come out as we were growing up. So we got through a little bit of research on the internet, but I imagine you guys had like oh, the classic it was fifth grade. They separated all the guys and all the girls fifth grade. I'm pretty sure. For or what, what class? This is just puberty. It's the day they taught us that our bodies are changing and we need to be prepared for it. They didn't <laughs> teach us about sex. So it's preemptive. Preemptive. But teaching us that our bodies are changing and what to expect as we enter this period of change. So we went into a room and all the guys sat down and they watched. we watched this videotape of them explaining what puberty is. Yeah, I've heard about this, that they and, show you guys like weird 1970s it, public education. Oh, and we, I remember right when they clicked play on that TV, everybody just burst out laughing. Because you all and know what's coming. It's not a shock to you. Yes. Okay. And it's just so cheesy and cringy. And But it was just saying, your voice is going to change, you're going to get taller, and you're going to grow hair in different places, and you're going to have feelings. And at the end of it, they gave us uh, a pamphlet showing us like little diagrams of your underparts and what can happen as you get older. And some Old Spice deodorant. Wow. So it was like going to like the doctor and they give you a little care package. Like when you go to the dentist and they give you a toothbrush. But then the girls, they went and they were told like that they're going to have periods and they're going to have a menstrual cycle. fifth grade? Yes. And they gave them pads. Yeah, that wouldn't that didn't happen in my Oh, I can't believe the word puberty. I it's like still a, internally cringe yeah. and like sweat when I think about it because it was such an awkward uh word and phrase. And, and you such, learn about it in a time oh, when everything is really monumental, so it stays monumental as you get older. And you don't want to think about it. You don't want it to happen. I remember my dad, you know, my dad's just like has a hairy chest and everything. He's like, one day you're gonna look just like me. And I was like, <laughs> no. When you're like in fifth grade and just like want to jump on a trampoline, you're like, I don't want to look uh, like no, 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 no. And then um, in seventh grade, that's when they gave us the STD talk. Oh, and my that was God. Boys dude. and girls. And it was our nurse. And she would just tell us like slideshows of different STDs. So she'd be like, if you have sex, you can get herpes. Like it was so fast, but it would show you. Did this. you know these things like already, and like you knew yes. it was coming because you guys already talked about it, or was there actual new information that you were learning from these classes? Uh, no, I mean, you know, you're a seventh grade kid. Kids yeah, like talk. You, you right. know their That's SMPs, what I'm saying. But the thing is, there are some kids who aren't having those conversations right. at home, and they need to at least be told about it. I remember I looked up. Just what sex was, I just picked the encyclopedia and just read all about it. The encyclopedia is pretty descriptive when it tells you what sex actually is. Yeah. But wait, you went through Jewish school. Through eighth grade. Through eighth grade. And then you went into high school. No. Then I went to a Jewish high school, which was an hour away from my home. The classes were from 8 a.m. until 5 p.m. every day. And it was an hour away. 8 a.m. to 5 p.m.? That's yes. a job. Yeah, I know. That's 8 to 5, not I know. even 9 to I know. 5. And it's an hour away. So I had an hour commute. So in the wintertime, I would wake up when it was dark outside, and I wouldn't get home until it was dark outside. And then one or two nights a week, you had to stay until 7 p.m. because there was like extra Jewish classes. And 
guys and girls were separated for every single class. But so, you're still in the same yeah, building. Yeah, we were in the same building, just different floors. And it was you had to had you had to wear a collared shirt, had to be tucked in. It was like what I think people consider Catholic school. Not mean with people that are evil and like smacking your hands with rulers or any of that, but it was strict. You had to have a collared shirt or a button-down shirt tucked in. I remember one day my shirt wasn't tucked in, and one of the like teachers called me aside. He's like, "Hey," and he was fucking with me, but I didn't know. And I was like, "So many rules," but he was like, "Yo, hey." You know, I love you, but like your shirt's been untucked all day. I thought you would have corrected it by now. It's already lunchtime. We called your parents. They're coming to pick you up. You're going to be suspended from school for three days for not having your shirt tucked in. And I burst into tears. What? Yeah, I was so upset. Because he had been watching you for, oh, Because like I didn't have my shirt tucked One in. One day of getting your shirt untucked yes. cost you a three-day suspension. He was joking with me. Oh. But I was so like nervous about all these rules and how long the days were <laughs> and like never being outside. And it was so much pressure that like I just cracked. And he he was like fucking around. He was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was totally joking. Like, I don't even care. I just wanted to ask you about like this movie or something. And he just made this oh, joke. Oh my. And then I kind of realized like this is not for me. Like I'm not a guy who's going to be in the military. I'm not going to be following rules. I, I can't live like this. And I told my mom like, yo, I can't, I can't go back to that next year. Uh, for my school, we didn't have uniforms, but we had a dress code, but we had pretty close to uniforms in elementary school for a public school. So I'm pretty sure kindergarten through second grade, you could wear whatever you wanted. And then around third grade, uniforms, shirts had to be tucked in. We could only wear Red, white, or blue, no branding on it, no polo, no um, really, lo no logos, it's like a brand or, deal, <laughs> logos or anything. No, and um, but we had our had to wear our shirts tucked in, which I hated. In what grades? Uh, this was elementary school. Why was it a public school? It was a public school. Well, I think our public school was kind of going through a big change community wise, and some schools in different areas voiced some concerns thinking that clothing could sometimes reflect your home life and kids get kind of fixated on logos or what's cool or what's trendy. And sometimes some of these kids came from just homes where they may be wearing right. this same shirt multiple times a week and they just can't afford to have a new outfit all the time. Right. And with that causes teasing between kids and all this tension and they wanted to just kind of eliminate that uh, as a distraction from the classroom. But on Fridays, you could wear the school spirit shirt uh, and casual have it, Fridays and have it untucked. Oh, so, casual Fridays, casual Fridays. But there was always like the dress code in high school. Like you couldn't. I don't know. Like girl. It was mostly it's all for girls. Really. I know. Oh, I know. Raise your hands if we can see your midriff. Right. Writing, writing you up. If and the dress has to be below your fingertips or your, something. Yes, exactly. Ugh. Ugh. Garbage. Garbage. But an hour away was your school? That's the other thing is it was an hour away on a good day. <laughs> right on the magic jube. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. There was like a passenger van, like a sprinter van that just picked up the eight or ten kids that were on the way to that school. So I just use it to listen to music, just kind of like sleep. And I went to the classes and also like the teachers at the school were not qualified. Private school teachers are very different than public school teachers. They're a private institution. So the requirements to be a teacher don't fall under like the traditional degrees that you need to have or tenure or any of that stuff. So and they also the other thing is that when you go to these this Jewish school that I went to, and I'm not sure if it's the same for every Jewish school, they would always tell you, oh, you know, they don't like Jewish kids over at that public school. You don't want to go to public school. They're going to shove you in the locker and they're going to know you're Jewish and they're going to beat you up. They're all doing drugs and cursing over there. Who said this? All the teachers, like the rabbis and the teachers, like they try and convince you that public school is this evil 
evil place where if you go there, you're going to get the shit kicked out of you just for being Jewish. Sure, there's anti-Semitism, but I was so scared of public school that I didn't even consider going until I'm like, dude, this is not sustainable to go basically have a full-time job to go to high school and then come home and do homework. And I like, I was playing guitar. I was playing drums. I was in a band. I wanted to like watch Dragon Ball Z after high school. High school is supposed to be fun. And I just was not having fun. So I told my mom and then literally it was one conversation. I thought I was going to have to make a PowerPoint and explain all the reasons why I can't continue going here. One conversation, she was like, all right, we'll sign you up for public school. So I get to the first day of public school and it's 10th grade now. So I did, I missed freshman year of high school, which is like a year where a lot of people make their friends and learn the ropes of high school. It's a big transition, blah, blah, blah. And there was this concept of homeroom, which I never had before. You go to your classroom for five minutes Uh to ensure attendance. And I didn't understand. I was like a five minute class. That can't be right. That can't be right. And I was like, hey, uh, the first day I get there, I was so nervous. And <laughs> I'm like asking around, like, what is homeroom? They're like, what do you mean? Just go to 206. And I was like, but it's only five minutes. They're like, yeah, that's what homeroom is. And I didn't understand it. I get to the homeroom and I sit down on the first person there. And like slowly by slowly, people start coming in. And I, first of all, for first time I'm seeing like girls that are my age now in a year. And so like, I'm like, oh my God, girls are so hot. This is great. There's all these guys who are not Jews all of a sudden that are like six feet tall. I'd never seen a six foot tall person my age before. You know, Jewish people are not known to be super tall. So like I see this guy like six feet tall and other guys like five, 10 and I'm, and I'm like five, five in high school. And it's just like so intimidating. And then the first guy I see is this big dude, football player, blonde hair, walks in on crutches and his leg is broken. And my first thought was, holy shit, this kid probably kicked the shit out of someone and he's just walking in and he's ready to beat up the next person that looks at him the wrong way. And he comes in with crutches and he sits right next to me. And I am petrified that I'm just going to say the wrong thing. All those high school bully movies are going to come to life and I'm going to be in a locker. (laughs) I thought I made the biggest mistake of my life. He sat right next to me. And he like just started talking to me. He's like, oh, what's up, man? I haven't seen you around. I was like, hi, I'm Mike. And he was like, oh, what's up, man? Were you here last year? I was like, no, uh, I'm new here. He's like, all right, well, I'll show you around. Like, whatever you need, I'll help you out. And he was the nicest kid and became my friend from day one. And I was like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Those are the best. Yeah. The guy who's friends immediately with the new kid. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That must have been so nice. It was the best. Dude, it was the best. Did you ever cheat in high school? Um, Did I ever cheat in high school? No, not like bad cheating. Like maybe there's a story so that's coming remember? to your mind. I see. Okay, it. because What's the story? I, in science classes, you know, like the biology tables. Yeah. Um, how they were that black, almost marble. The science, the science table, like the labs. Where Lab. like it's there's that, like counter, like island yes, countertops. Iron, sure. No, the island countertops. Yes, the island countertops. What type of material are those countertops? A, a countertop. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, those you could like kind of like you could rub your finger on it. You could see it. So sometimes I would maybe like take my eraser. I'm saying maybe like uh, and I would like maybe write out an equation or like some little thing on. The oh, desk. you're saying on the desk before the test, you would like write down an equation that you would need to yes. remember. Yes. But I never. And that's like, what you consider cheating. No, I never like stole the answers. Oh I think God. I found ways of getting my notes in. Uh, what an innocent individual boy. thing. But I had a really great psycho. I took AP psychology in high school. And oh, nice. it, was like a, it was like a college course yes. to get college credit. Yep. Though I wish I didn't take it because it took away a humanities course by the time I got to college. I wish I took art history. I wish I did. In college it's, or high school? Uh, uh, 
maybe in college because I think I would have appreciated it more than I would have in high school. But it was just I never had the opportunity and never could because I already satisfied my humanities credit because I took psychology in high school. Oh. But, she, but our teacher, Mrs. Al Miss Allen, oh, she's maybe married now. She was an amazing teacher and really helped you figure out how your brain works and how to memorize things. So that's why I think I have like a good ability to memorize and soak in a lot of information was because she taught us how to think and that helped me become a better student. Yeah, you are. Your memory is ridiculously incredible. Like, I knew a girl who, in college who had a photographic memory, and you would not think at all that this girl was the smartest person in right, the room. Right. But she can ace any test because she has a photographic memory. I she mean, can you're, learn you're pretty close to it. You just blasted out your monologue from the Arthur Miller play in high school almost 10 years later. Once like, I get something long term, yeah, sure. But also you have really good memories of like my first party in LA. You remember that we were both wearing jackets and when when you met Patricia and I, I thought it was the first time and I was convinced it wasn't. You were like, no, it was the second time because blah, blah, blah. And like yeah. all these very specific memories of like who was there and where they were. And I can I mean, remember my last day of elementary school was May 30th, 2003. And I'm pretty sure. See, that's what I'm talking about. Fi Finding Nemo came out that day. That's what I'm talking and about. And we went over to Katie Stone's house. And I remember the first time I ever learned what Axe body spray was that day. <laughs> Because like is her that, brother was in like middle school. Is and that a was positive like, or negative memory for you? Like I kind of like sensory, the sensory yes, smell of like ass. Yes. And I remember that day, and I just remember still being a kid. But her brother was really cool, and he like. I don't know, his bathroom, he was like, have you heard of Axe? And I was like, no. And he's like, dude, the ladies will love you. And I was uh, like, oh. Apparently, smell, the olfactory sense, is the strongest one that is tied to memory. <laughs> like, out of all the five senses, taste, touch, sight, sound, whatever, your smell, that is the one that is ingrained in your memory the most. So you, if you smell something that you smelled 20 years ago versus seeing something that you saw 20 years ago... Apparently, and I may be wrong about no, this. No, you're but right. That that no. is the most. It's the most ingrained. It's your old fact. You're at your, your old, old factory. factory sense, and I remember yeah. in AP Psychology, they you would teach us about, it smells exactly. like an old factory. Old oh, factory. That's good. Well, I remember like dendrites on neurons. Yes. And then the axon is See, this the is what body, I'm about. and it's covered in fatty cells. And then with neurotransmitters, the little. Uh, area where the neurotransmitter goes into is like the nodes of rain veer like dude like you retain nucleus the stuff that is the brain of the cell cytoplasm fills it well vacuole storage sac cell membrane covers like a wrap mitochondria is the power source er moves through a course the endoplasmic reticulum er moves through a course lysosomes digest the waste golgi bodies pinch in place chloroplast cell wall only in plants not for all did you make this up uh, or they taught that to no you? it's like nucleus the brain of the cell oh cyto my god yeah I mean, for example, your brain has this thing where you will retain information that is completely irrelevant for the rest of your life forever. Yeah. And I guess maybe you just have more room in the in the hard Dude, drive. I but can recite to you the first play I was ever in that's in what first I'm saying. grade. Like, I've, once this... upon a lily pad. Good morning, Freddie. What would you like for breakfast? Bugs or flies? I'm not hungry, mama. Not hungry. You sick? No, mama. I just don't feel like eating. That's all. Why don't you go play with your friends? They won't let me play with them anymore, mama. They say you can't jump high enough to play leapfrog. I keep landing on okay, someone's okay, head. Okay, okay, Ouch. okay. I've had that happen the to me. The point has been made. The point has been made. Ugh, I know. You have a very good memory. Sometimes you, it's intimidating, but... You're intimidated by my memory? Yes, because I only remember very specific things that like my brain triggers as this is going to be necessary, so remember it. And this probably isn't necessary, and then I'll forget it. And uh, having yeah. you be around so many experiences of my life means that I sort of have a memory. It's just 
export it to your hard drive and it's not in mine. So if ever you need to access a memory like, hey, Matt, what was that party that we went to? I think it was with Cam and at Devin's house. And, and you just will know the answer. Usually I can, but sometimes. But then it doesn't but matter. But then sometimes I'm really bad with like Mike will bring around friends uh, or like girls that he hangs out with. And But usually it's always like so late into the night where mm-hmm, I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, what are your names? Eh. I probably will never see this person again. And it happened seven times. It's now happened seven times in a row. It's okay. You know who they are now, right? Uh, Jess, Angela, and Mika. Yeah. See? Great job. All right. Now I know them. Um, Um, Can I tell you about the time that I cheated in high school? Oh, yes. And got away with it? Tell me about it. I cheated all the time in high school. I don't know if this is incriminating at all, but I cheated. Mike! Dude, I did not. That's the thing. I didn't want to memorize stuff because I knew it wasn't going to be any. It wasn't going to be relevant at all after (laughs) I took the test. I don't need to know. What King George, what document King George the 12th, like it doesn't matter. Magna Carta. Oh my God. Are you serious? No, it's like, well, King George was. Like that's frustrating to me. He was around Declaration of Independence. King James is Magna Carta. I'm pretty sure. Wasn't it Martin Luther that did the Magna Carta? Martin Luther was the guy who revised the church. He nailed something to the door. No, he nailed something to the door. I think it was the Magna. These are the new rules of the King James church. Oh, we know nothing. (laughs) We know nothing. So <laughs> anyway, don't listen so, to us. So I, I, I did whatever I could to minimize my brain resources to get through the school. We would take tests and you're sitting next to the person next to you. So me and this other kid didn't really study. We each studied half of what we needed to study or whatever the, whatever it was. We took, we took a history test and it was a multiple choice answer, 20 questions. We sat next to each other. We shared every answer. We cheated the whole way through. Next day, she goes through the class, gives us our test back. We both got like a you know ninety two or whatever an eighty three whatever it was, and after class she's like, oh Mike Dave, can you guys come here for a minute? And we're like, I literally just said, let me do the talking. And <laughs> so she's like, so hey, I'm not accusing you guys of anything. I know you guys are great students, but I just happened to notice that yes, you got all these questions right, but the questions that you got wrong on a multiple choice test, you also picked the same wrong answer, and there's not one difference between either of your tests. And you guys sat next to each other. And I just need to know, like, did you guys cheat on this test? And I said, oh, well, Miss Marilla, I, I can easily explain this. We actually studied together and we actually used uh, my notes, which I got from someone else. So what probably happened was we both studied off the same flawed notes <laughs> without the same misinformation. And that's why our incorrect answers are the same, because we had the same misinformation. And that's why our tests are the same. But no, in no way would we ever cheat. You saw us. We're sitting next to each other the whole time. How could we cheat? And she said, oh, my God, you're right. I'm so sorry. That makes so much sense. Here's your test and gave us our test back. And I got, and I got away with it. Whoa. Now, do you think if you were a teacher and a young Mike Sheffer was pulling that move on you, you would be able to detect? Oh, if- yeah. I'm, I am have such a good detection for bullshit. I know when someone's bullshitting <laughs> so me. So what would you say? Bullshit? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you even respond to a kid giving. I mean, I would uh, just say, let me see the notes. Uh, oh, yeah. Show me the notes. Where are they? Can Can... Can kids be like, I have to have a lawyer present? <laughs> can they can they can they say that? Like, no, they don't have they don't have the right they don't have the Fifth Amendment right to you know invoke invoke silence on a on a question. I actually remember one time I did kind of cheat. Well, I did cheat. Um, in oh sixth grade, 
Mrs. Easton. Um, best, Great name. She was the best teacher I ever had. In what class? Um, it was English, literature, language arts. You thrived. And she taught us about etymology, man. She, like, the at Latin, Latin yeah. at sixth grade and yeah. made it fun. The power went out one time. Yeah. You know the class usually when the lights go out and they're like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> like go crazy she pulled out a flashlight kept it under her face almost like a ghost story and told us all about ancient latin and stuff wow. it, was, it was really cool but one time she gave us a brain teaser and we had to like go home and think about it and then talk about it in a group well what i did was i just had the text i went on google googled it found out what the real answer was and came back and then i kind of muttered to my group i go guys i know what the answer is because i googled it last night blah blah, blah. yeah and i think she heard because then she got up after class and we all shared our answers and she goes great work everyone but somebody in this room cheated <gasps> and i don't want to say who that person was or is but i want them to know that i know and i remember my brain like you know when you have tunnel vision like, like my whole know, body's like, sweating it, it, right it, now whole, i can just feel like, the anxiety your peripheral vision is just vibrating you go and it's all yeah that's it and I sat there and played dumb. And oh, you didn't you didn't cop to it? No, she didn't. She didn't ask us. She didn't ask for anybody to come forward. She didn't ask for whoever that person was to see. What see. a great teacher! But I'm pretty sure it was. I mean, me. a hundred percent. But I thought she couldn't hear me. But then she's like, I was so confident we got the answer right. Yeah. But she said this thing at the end of class. And what a great teacher she was. Oof. Hope you're enjoying this episode. We're just going to take a quick break to give a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now back to the episode. You're you're pretty musically talented. So when did you pick up an instrument, Mike? <laughs> did you take piano lessons as a as a young Jewish? I feel boy? like I'm on a, like an a CB, PBS broadcast right now. <laughs> this is like a PBS Mike Sheffer special. Did you take piano lessons? Never piano. Um, did you take guitar lessons? Yes, my parents they are very they believed in education, and education doesn't stop at the classroom. It's education in the arts, education in humanity. So from like when I was five years old, I was taking uh, Taekwondo, which is a form of martial arts. Taekwondo? Taekwondo. It's the Korean oh. martial arts. It's it's not I've heard like of it. A, <laughs> it, it. It's more of a sport than like ancient, like deadly martial art form. It's more of a sport. Taekwondo, you get to wear like the, the helmets and stuff. When you're doing sparring, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not about learning how to beat somebody up. It's It's really just like a physical... And mental art form of do you have the Korean picture, tradition. Do you have the pictures from your Taekwondo? My mom has it on her dresser. Was it the the old school nineties one where they have like the prism of light at the end of your hand? 
Uh, no. Oh, my but best we're... friend John took uh, karate. Well, the karate kids. So karate's Japanese. That's a Japanese martial uh, art. I know, but the way they took the martial arts photos in our towns, they would have you like pose like, you know, you're about to strike and they would add this like prism of like like a lens flare. Yeah, like a lens flare. Oh my light. gosh! Like you, there was a beam of light coming out of your hand. Oh like, my like god! You had the power, but I always wanted That's to join. So funny! I wanted to take karate just so I could get, get that the photo. photo. Okay, so you take, can we can we find one of those photos and recreate it? I think we were trying to do it when we did that Liza oh, shoot. Oh yeah, um, but I don't think the pictures turned out as well as we wanted. But. Go on. So you were taking Taekwondo. Yeah. So that's the Korean art form. I was doing that three times a week with my three younger brothers. And my parents also signed me up for guitar lessons. And I did not like it at all. So a guitar lesson was like a chore that I didn't want to do. But my parents were like, listen, you hate it now. But when you're 18, you're going to thank us that we made you practice this instrument from when you were a little kid. And I was like, well, I'll play an instrument. I just want to play guitar. They're like, what do you want to play? I said, I want to play drums. So I said, okay, we'll get you a drum teacher. So I did drums and guitar simultaneously Ugh. from, yeah, I, I was a bit, I was booked and busy as a kid. I was, so Taekwondo three times a week, guitar lesson one day, drum lesson the other day, and then practice those musics, musical instruments every day. And then from then on, I've played guitar every single day of my life. I used to bring my guitar to high school every day. I would eat my lunch first period so that during the lunch period, I would just play guitar for those 40 minutes and get an extra 40 minutes of practice in every day. Like, I love music. It's, I think, the best thing. We talked about this on the Jason episode I feel like a little if bit. YouTube but. was around and strong and had as large of a content database as it did as it does now. I would have been able to teach myself guitar. My parents never signed me up for guitar lessons. Did you and want that? Did you want I, to? I, I, I remember my dad bought me a guitar. I had a pamphlet on how to play the guitar. <laughs> but the only like guitar lessons were were with like Mrs. Moss in our town, who was like. Like a, a family friend's mom, and I just didn't feel like... That's what I'm saying. The teacher I, matters I, I so didn't much. I go over there and, like, I don't know. It would have felt like a chore to me. Yeah. And so I discouraged myself from ever playing it. I played the violin when really? I was in sixth grade. I was in the orchestra. G, D, A, E were the strings. And that made me know the notes. So I know the notes on the piano. I don't know chords, but I can play like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. Right, because you know D, the D, notes. A, A, B, yeah. B, A, G, G, F sharp, E, E, D. Like I know that. Right. But that's the extent is basic violin. Because I remember I got a Sharpie out and I wrote on my keyboard what the notes were just right. so I could. But I didn't want to take lessons because I was too scared to like sit down with some big adult and be scrutinized over hand movements and tune and sound. When you're a kid, everything is so monumental because it's all new. It's all for the first time. When you ever use something for the first time, it's it it has so much more gravitas and impact. So like if you were to go to this teacher that you don't like, the fear is, oh, well, now I'm not going to like guitar, so I may as well just not do it. Present day, I think you and I have very specific ideas of relationships with friends, with parents, with girlfriends. Do you have an overarching theory of relationships that you hold true to yourself or is it instinctual to you and not something that you've really intellectualized? That's a, that's a, it's a tough question and it's, it's tough to figure out which angle to approach that question, but it is such a good question. I mean, there are people you've known for a really long time and I think those relationships are important to hold and to value and to maintain. Um, but, and then there's a lot of friendships that you make by putting yourself out there. And that is very important. All the friends I have in my life today, I wouldn't have had if I never made the decision to put myself out there. I think sometimes 
and there's no judgment to it, but there's sometimes where people get too comfortable with the people around them and they think that, oh, I should just be friends with this person because I'm just familiar with them. Familiarity isn't always the best way to create. To, to it's create, not the best foundation like, of a relationship. No, not at all. And I think you need to find people who are on your same wavelength, like you for you, and have no judgment and are supportive no matter how much success or how terrible something comes your way that they're there for you. I think a lot of times, sometimes people pick and choose what they want out of a certain person and they're not there for them fully. And that's okay. You can't like be somebody's full time friend, but it's important to treasure the ones who love you and really mean it. You know what I mean? Fair weather friends, I think is the term for people who are there during fair weather, but when the weather turns bad, they're nowhere to be found. Yeah, because there are some friends from high school that I have looking back that I loved being around. But then once all that internet stuff happened, they kind of distanced themselves from me. They didn't like. Oh, yeah, you do have that, that aspect the happiness of your life. that I was going in. And I get sometimes really hung up about it. But then there are some of those friends who really shine out to me because they're just nothing but supportive and true and great. Their perception of me hasn't changed, you know? I understand. Yeah. 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 It, it's definitely a unique situation that I, I, haven't had to uh, like weather, but you've you've done, I think, a pretty good job. And we've talked about it a few times where it sometimes creates anxiety, but like you've clearly done well for yourself and are in a successful position. So. Yeah, you should be with the friends who don't say why, but just be with the friends who say why not. Like, you know, if you want to do something cool, yeah, yeah. be around with someone who's just like, why not do that? Not be with someone who's just like, why do that? Speaking of putting yourself out there, let's let's reveal some... Uh, Mike Sheffer, Matt King lore about how we met, which I, do you know the story? Um, we were at Good Time at Davy Wayne's. I used to come to LA when I was living in New York, like at least once a year, sometimes twice a year, because I loved LA, especially in the winter. New York is cold and gray and brutal and just oppressive. And I can escape to LA and I usually would like get an Airbnb in Venice and in middle of February, I leave the parka at home and don't wear the wool socks and I'm on the beach in February in a t-shirt. Yeah. Like that was mind blowing to me to be uh-huh. in, in a t-shirt in February. It, I still, it blows my mind. It was like 2016 or 2017. I had gone to Davy Wayne's with some friends that I met out here and it was like on a Saturday night and I had a great time with them and I thought, oh, that what a great place. That reminds me of like a cool Brooklyn spot, Davy Wayne's. And another week goes by and I hadn't been to Davy Wayne's again and it was a Sunday night. And I didn't have anywhere to go. All my friends were busy that I knew. I was leaving like the next day or on the Tuesday or whatever. And I remember thinking like, well, I'm in LA. It's a Sunday night. I was, you know, an entrepreneur. I had the restaurant, the website business. Like I'm not a guy who needs to get up for an office job. And very thankful for not having that nine to five work life. And I have the freedom to go out on a Sunday night to a bar if I want to. And I'm leaving anyway, so may as well go back to that bar that I really enjoyed and I thought it was cool. And it's L.A., so maybe like L.A. is cool and people go out on a Sunday night. It's a town of creatives and non-traditional people. So let me just go check it out. Worst case, there's no one there. I turn around and go home. Better than sitting on my phone and scrolling on a Sunday night. So I end up going on the Sunday night. I open the door and Davy Wayne's is popping, packed. Oh, yeah. Like a Saturday night. And it turns out Sunday night is the night to go to Davy Wayne's. Uh-huh. So I go through. It's like a refrigerator door. Like the door to get in there is a huge it, old fridge. Such a cool experience. It's bumping music from the 70s. It's, yeah, it's yeah. Su- it's such a vibe. And I and I, I like I just went and got a drink and I was just walking around having a good time. You were by yourself? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, go on. I, I do that. I, I do that a lot. Someone else was with you. Okay. No, I go. I go by myself a lot, like to concerts and like movies, which is good to do. There's no pretense when you're by yourself. You yes. just are. So, 
I think we were waiting in line to get food or something. And and then we got to talking. We got to talking. And, and you said, I knew that you knew the same people. Yeah. And in New York, I was working with some YouTubers that you knew. And you were a big Viner at the time. Yes. And you were giving me just a great pep talk on what I needed to do with my life. And I loved it because you were so sincere. You meant it. You wanted the best out of me and for me. And... Because what you were you were struggling with something that I just thought was so unique, but also so simple to fix, and like the rut that you were in, and I was like, no, dude, just fuck that, just do this. Yeah, yeah. And then after that night, we got each other's number. Yes. So we kept in touch, and then and we went then, on that trip. Oh, to Bonaire. Yeah. Oh, love that trip. To tie this all together, you said I've made a lot of friends by putting myself out there. Yes. And if you never went there. I would have never met you. If I never put myself out there, I would have never met you. If I never went to that one party, yeah. I would have never met Patricia. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. It, like A lot of good things in life come by putting yourself out there, and I think that's so important. I, I think my, my theory is like say yes, say yes to things. Say yes to most things. But it's important to also say no to some things. Well, of course. Say yes to things that you want for yourself. Don't say yes to things, I guess, sometimes. I don't know. Should we be out here giving advice? I don't know. We don't know what we're talking about. But clearly not. No, that is so true. And that kind of like brings it all back to like what we were talking about, you know? This was like a breeze. It was kind of nice, like kind of both of us interviewing our own selves. Yeah, but I think it, kind of it was focused on you. Maybe like I'm trying, I'm trying to throw the spotlight back on you because I think you're a lot more interesting. And people I think know you're a lot more interesting. But people want to know the Matt King story. I know I should, uh, but we'll do that. We'll do this on again. video. On video, of course. By the time we set up our video setup, we still have like the furniture being on delivered. Its way. So hopefully, we get that up in the next. Two weeks, couple weeks, yeah. I want to aim for two weeks at least. We also have our next podcast already recorded, but Mike needs a little bit more time to edit it. Yes, but you're gonna love the guest. We love the guest, and but this is cool that we got to do this because I think it's like, yeah, I was hesitant at first because I was like, oh, but we don't have a guest. Is it gonna be that interesting for people to listen to just us talk? But anyways. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you go check out all the other episodes that you may or may have not listened to. We have a lot of good guests. Really great guests. And a lot of guests lined up and a lot of guests who are interested in being on. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm so excited too. All right, we'll have a great week and we'll, we'll see you next week. Much love.